what's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. Mark Giannone, Dan Silver with you as always. Dan, what's going on, my friend? Oh, man, my head's about to explode from all the draft excitement and the craziness on Flyers Twitter. And, oh, it's just there's too much going on, man. And combined with your incredible interview with Nick Boynton earlier this week, it's like, wow, it's just been an unbelievable week. Yeah, this is really this is the, this is the fun time in uh, the NHL offseason uh, when everything starts to come together. Big moves have been made already. We'll talk about that later. But the big news, obviously, of the week, everyone's ramped up because it's draft week. Friday, it all kicks off, and everyone's excited. No one knows what the hell's going on. One guy that we're pretty sure Dan has a uh, pretty good grasp. He's got an excellent grasp of the NHL draft and what the Flyers could potentially do. Uh, you may know him as that guy one one nine two zero on Twitter. He is from Philly as Flyer, Mr. Ted Brown. Ted, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Uh, you know, can't complain. Having a pretty good week. Um, about to go through a quarter life crisis when I turn 26 later in the week, but that's not a topic for you're this a show. baby, man. You're a wow, baby. you're Ted's so old. probably a lot younger than me too. <laughs> nope. I feel like I'm on the downside already, but nobody wants to hear about my problems. I will drink them away later in the week. So, Dan, obviously you were along for the ride last week in part one of our little draft special. So we wanted to bring Ted on, another excellent mind in the NHL draft goings on. So, Ted, I'll just kick it to you. The Flyers have 14 and 19. Those are their picks. Uh, there's a lot of speculation. Do they trade up? Do they trade back? Do they stay at both and just select a player? So I'll kick the first question to you I have is, what do you want them to do with those picks? Do you want them to stay put, or do you want them to uh, get a little movement going? I think that it's going to cost too much to move up. Um, so I think it would behoove them to just take the picks where they are and find the best guys possible. So, That's what I would do. All right, so who to you is the best guy? Go- I mean, obviously, no one knows what's going to happen. We were talking about this before the show. Um, even the experts that are out there putting their mock drafts out there, they're so different from one to another. Uh, no one has any idea what's going to happen really outside of the top two picks in this draft. So if, if you had your perfect scenario play out for the Flyers and you're on the clock, let's put you in Ron Hexall's shoes. You're on the clock at 14. Where are you going with your pick? Hmm. I think I'd go with one of two players. I'd go with Ty Smith if he was still there. I mean, he's a complete defender, probably the third best skater among defensemen in the entire draft behind Hughes and Darlene. Uh, Excellent hockey sense. Maintains a tight gap. Pretty good at exits and entries with possession. Um, and he's incredibly involved in his team scoring. Um, so I did some digging on Twitter earlier today and from this guy named ND Red Eagle on Twitter, he found that Ty Smith has the highest points per game of any WHL defenseman who will be drafted in the first round from 2002 to 2017. I mean, for some perspective, that's higher than Seth Jones, Ivan Provorov, Morgan Riley, Matt Dumba. Travis Sanheim, Ryan Pulak, Julius Honka, etc. So there's some really good stuff there with uh, Ty Smith. And probably Joel Farabee would be the other pick that would be excellent for the Flyers since they need some more high-end left wingers. Um, He's one of the smartest wingers in the draft. And... He may not be big, but he plays big. He has no problem going to the dirty areas. Um, he's really, really smart. He kind of has eyes in the back of his head when he's surveying the ice. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. And uh, that would be the pick that I would go with, too. One or the other. 
Smith or Faraby? Yeah, I saw Faraby a lot, getting a lot of play from uh, people on Twitter, you know, the Twitter experts of who they want. Um, Dan, I, uh, Ron Hexall came out a little bit earlier this week, kind of with a little, or maybe it was last week, uh, came out with his kind of pre-draft press conference where, you know, the guys come in, they ask him questions, he gives them no answer, and basically they have to write something and make news. But one thing that stood out to me was when he went over uh, the organizational needs uh, as far as positions go, he mentioned right-handed defenseman and scorer. Um, We've talked in the past that scorer is obviously a big thing for this team. Would you be... um, How would you feel, let's say, let's put it that way, if they went with the right-handed defenseman with one of these first picks in the draft for them? Well, here's the problem with that. First of all, I love the Hextall press conference because basically he began the press conference by saying, I can't tell you guys anything for obvious reasons. Right. And then he said some things for the next hour, and all these reporters wrote articles about what he said after he had said, I can't tell you anything. (laughs) So, listen, I understand that it's their job to write these articles. And yes, Hextall maybe said some things during that press conference that could mean something, but he also could be planting red herrings out there so that other teams think he's thinking something. Um, You know, today, Craig Custance on The Athletic was doing a QA and a and someone asked him if the Flyers were going to trade up. Uh, using those 14th and 19th overall picks. And I thought the answer was really interesting. Custom said, Hextall is one of the GMs who plays things close to the vest. I talked to someone last week who reached out to the Flyers and got the sense that they were content making their picks at 14 and 19. They're sitting in a good spot, and Hextall has said publicly he's open to moving up or down depending on what's out there. But I thought this was interesting because we can't, trust in Hextall to tell us what's going on. So this was actually, sounds like Custons talked to somebody with another team who had called Hextall to find out about making a trade, and Hextall made it sound like they were content at 14 and 19. So while I don't doubt that if the right deal came along, he might be open to trading up, you know, I, I think that the likeliest scenario is that they stay at these picks, or I think it's also possible that they stay at 14 and that they move down from 19 to get maybe a couple second-round picks, a couple extra second-round picks, or a late first and a second or a third. So I think that it's more likely that they move down from 19 and take 14 than, than move up. Um, and my answer to your question kind of fits in with that a little bit. So there's um, – you know, I'm just going to look at the, uh, the, the defensemen here. There are basically – Three right-handed defensemen that are thought to be far and away the best right-handed defensemen in the draft. And those guys are Noah Dobson, Evan Bouchard, and Adam Bogfist. It's very likely that all three of those guys are going to go before number 14. So in order to get one of those right-handed defensemen, the Flyers would have to trade. Assuming those three guys are taken by the time the Flyers pick, there's really only one other right-handed defenseman that's even projected to go in the first round, and that guy is Bodie Wild. Bodie Wild is a guy who apparently has major character and work ethic issues. Uh, Grant McCagg, in his website's write-up of the draft, went detailed these character issues that Bodie Wild has. So the Flyers don't take guys with character issues and work ethic issues, so I don't think they're going to take Bodie Wild. So that means that at 14 or 19, any right-handed defenseman they take is going to be a major reach. So I don't think they're going to take a right-handed defenseman at 14 or 19. I think that what they could do is potentially trade down uh, into the early or mid-second round and use that pick to take a right-handed defenseman. There's a couple guys. There's a Swedish guy that I think Ted is high on named Nils Lundqvist, who you know, could go in the second round. Some of these mocks have them in the third round, but Lundqvist could go in the second round. Um, you know, there's a couple other right-hand defensemen that could go early second round, but I don't think that 14 or 19 is going to be a right-handed defenseman for the Flyers. And I actually agree. This is another one of my, not to go off on a tangent, this is another one of my pet peeves, is, yeah, I understand Hexel said the system lacks right-handed defensemen. 
I don't think the handedness of defensemen is that big of a deal. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that you'd, if you're faced with a really, really good left-handed defenseman and a mediocre right-handed defenseman, you're going to want the really good left-handed defenseman. So there are some guys at 14 who might be available left-handed defenseman. Um, for example, Ty Smith, who uh, Ted talked about. I love Ty Smith. I would, if he's available at 14, I want the Flyers to take him. Uh, Rasmus Sandin, who played with Morgan Frost this year, is a left-handed defenseman. Uh, I would, if he's there at 19, I'd love for them to take him. So, you know, I think a left-handed defenseman is more likely in the first round for the Flyers. In terms of a goal scorer, again, you know, the main guy to trade up for would be Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, he's him and Zadina are the two best goal scorers in the draft. But you're going to have to trade up for them, which I don't think they're going to do. So, you know, there's some good goal scorers that are going to be available at 14. Vitaly Kraftsov is is close to a very pure goal scorer. He might be there at 14. Um, you know, Gregory Denisenko might be there at 14. Looks like a pretty good goal scorer, also a playmaker. But, you know, basically, long story short, you know, I, I don't think at 14 or 19 there's going to be a right-handed defenseman that makes sense for them to take. I think um... – and you you touched on it, and a lot of people. And when I say a lot of people, I just this is just me perusing Twitter and things like that. Um, they assume when you think of the Flyers making a move, they just assume that there's going to be this home run, or maybe it's wishful thinking. They think there's going to be this home run, you know, package both picks, trade up, get in the top ten, something like that. But when you and and but what no one's really talking about, at least that I've seen, is the Flyers just staying at one of the picks and using the other one as a trade piece to trade back. And I think that's, I, I mean, we, we what we know about Ron Hextall to this point as far as drafts go and as far as, um, you know, just prospects in general is he loves assets. He loves having draft picks and prospects. So I think, I think, I don't think they're going to stay at both picks for that reason. I think it's likely they stay at 14 if they don't, if that right, and that probably, that right big trade up probably isn't going to come because it's probably going to be too rich for his blood. And we know the type of guy he is. I, I think he gets like night sweats when he has to make a trade, like what he had to do with Morazic earlier in the season. I think he probably kept them up at night a lot. So I think. For Ron Hextall, the guy that loves to acquire assets, I think a trade back at 19 is very likely if they could, like you said, get a late first or, you know, get a couple of seconds, something like that. But I, I don't think the home run that people that I think that, that people want, I don't think that's going to come. I think they just have to look at what's in the range at 14 and accept that you're going to get a good player at 14. It may, it's not going to be a franchise changer, but you're going to get a very good player at 14 and at 19 all bets could be off you know they could you know they could do anything with that pick and it's going to be an exciting to see what Hextall does because like you said he keeps everything very close to the chest he's not going to say anything to the reporters and he's definitely not going to say anything to some you know insider giving him a call trying to pick his brain but I think it really is going to set up for an exciting first round on Friday night. And, you know, who knows? It could be any one of these players. No one knows how this first round is going to shake out 1-13 to 13 before the Flyers are even on the clock. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm also I'm interested in Ted's opinions on some of those right-handed defensemen I mentioned and his thoughts on, you know, moving down at 19 to try and accumulate some picks and, and, you know, maybe add a right-handed defenseman in the second or third round. I think it would be a great idea because, like Dan mentioned earlier, I really like Nils Lundqvist. And, I mean, in all honesty, I think he's good enough to be picked at number 19. He is probably maybe the second-best defenseman at skating the puck out of the defensive zone. I mean, that is such a big part of the NHL right now, the transition game, just getting it out of danger so you don't even have to play defense. And Lundqvist excels at doing that. So even if they don't pick him at 19 and they trade back, I definitely do hope that they get him maybe in a late first round or in a second round pick or whatever they get if they do trade back. Um, Another right-handed defenseman would be Jacob Bernard Docker. He plays in the 
Alberta Junior Hockey League, and he'll be playing for North Dakota next season. Um, lots of skill, solid defensively, and he's going to be playing against men right after drafted, which is uh, great for his development. Um, Axel Anderson plays in the Super Elite League, is pretty solid defensively, um, very good in the transition game, probably a tier below Nils Lundqvist um, as far as that, and another right-handed defenseman, let's see. Danila Galenia, I think his name is, from uh, the Russian Junior Hockey League, who's pretty good, but... I haven't seen too much video of him just because it's, you know, the Russian Junior Hockey League. <laughs> so those guys would be um, solid picks if they went with a right-handed defenseman. Yeah, I mean, Detroit, I'm just looking now, Detroit's got picks 33, 36, 67, um, 81. Like, they've got multiple picks in the second and third rounds. You know, I, I could see the Flyers trading 19 for a couple picks in the second round, and I, I would not be surprised if, if at all if something like that happens. I mean, it is just this draft is once you get past 10, it becomes just really murky. And Hextall's been so good at finding gems in the middle rounds that I feel like he's would be absolutely fine with with moving back. There are so many teams, I'm just looking at the draft board now, just in the first round, that have multiple picks. The Flyers have two, Uh, looks like Detroit has two, the Rangers have three. Uh, The Islanders have two. Yeah, yeah, the Islanders have two. This is, I mean, this is pretty incredible when you think about, you know, just... It, it just I don't think I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in any sport where you have all these teams with multiple picks. I mean, even if even if the Flyers, I mean, yeah, I, Detroit could be a likely trade uh, partner if they wanted to get you know because we know how with the situation they're in as far as trying to rebuild their team. So if they wanted to get back into the first round, get a third pick in the in the first round, um, yeah, a couple of second rounders would be great for the Flyers because you know. Why not? And I think that's a mutually beneficial thing, especially depending on how their draft board shakes out. Uh, if, you know, the guy that they want at 19 is taken or if they really don't value anybody with that pick, then, you know, it's a, I think it's very likely and it's, you know, would probably be a good idea at that point. If they're not in love with a player, why not trade back and get more picks later and, you know, give yourself a little bit more wiggle room and something to do later in the draft? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, I think it, it it's amazing. All all these mock drafts keep coming out, and it's um, it's just even the like you said, this draft really does a sort of cruxes on number three because Montreal's either going to take Jesperi Kotkaniemi, the center, or they're probably going to take Philip Sedina, um, or they might even take a defenseman. And whatever happens there is going to have a trickle down effect from four through ten. Um, and and then there's this group of players after ten that is going to impact who the Flyers get. It's just it's 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 really interesting um, to to see what's going to happen. And you know, I wrote in my article last week that at fourteen, you know, my preferred picks would be Rasmus Kupari, mm-hmm. who's a extremely fast center in Finland. He could probably move to the wing. He's I think the Flyers are missing that game breaking speed element. I mean, in these mocks, I've seen him go anywhere from 11 to 31. So it's, you know, Vitaly Kravtsov is a fast-rising Russian who was incredible in the KHL playoffs. And that's the professional league there. He was playing in the professional league and was just had probably the best rookie playoff performance in the history of the KHL. Bob McKenzie is now saying that he's in the top 12 and that some scouts have him in the top five. So he's a guy that... Uh, Corey Pronman has the Flyers taking at 14, and a lot of people have the Flyers taking at 14, but now the question mark is, is he even going to be available? Well, if he moves up into the top 13, then someone else is going to have to drop. It could be a Ty Smith or a Barrett Hayton, who is... Barrett Hayton's another really interesting guy. He's probably the second-best center in the draft. He plays 
with Morgan Frost on Sault Ste. Marie. And if you remember last year, no one had really heard of Morgan Frost, um, at least in flyer circles. And the flyers traded into the late first round. They took Morgan Frost. He'd been buried in the depth chart at Sault Ste. Marie. This year, he was their number one center, and he was the runner-up for OHL MVP. An incredible year because he finally got a chance to play with really good players. Bear Hayton's sort of in a similar type of situation this year. Um, you know, he was playing underneath Morgan Frost on the depth chart. And uh, he's a guy that some people question his offensive upside, but I think those same people were probably questioning Morgan Frost's offensive upside last season. And the more I've watched video of Barrett Hayton, he's a really good playmaker. And he's a guy that I can see the Flyers really liking, of course. And I think that Ted's going to talk about this at some point, um, about how the Flyers just keep taking centers and that they don't value wingers as highly. I, I like centers who could maybe move to the wing. I'm not sure Barrett Hayton fits that mold or not, but he's another guy that, that could go in the top 10, but could fall to the Flyers. So there's... But there's a lot of players. Grigory Denisenko, who I mentioned, he's, he reminds me of Artemi Panarin. I really like the way he plays hockey. So they're going to get a really good player for a team. You can count on that. Um, and it's, it's, I just can't wait to see who falls to that spot. Yeah, it's 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 very. I mean, it's exciting to think about. It's fun. It's exciting to speculate. Um, you know, if, like we've said already several times, if you look at any two mock drafts. They're going to be entirely different, more than likely. Um, but, I mean, you brought it up, so we may as well have Ted just kind of go on his, uh, you know, just voice his opinion on the matter of the Flyers' lack of, um, their lack of value in, in the winger, in, in both wings. And I believe earlier in our little group chat, you said, uh, you made reference to it being bullshit, which is, which might be true. Um so, Ted, why don't you just kind of talk a little bit about that, your displeasure with how the Flyers overvalue the center position? Well, the problem with them overvaluing the center position is that they're so filled with centers at the NHL level and in the prospect system that um, just getting more just because you have – the preference for that specific position lends itself to reaching for players in the draft who you think has a really good um, niche and will fit with whatever is missing in your uh, prospect pool. But teams make mistake after mistake after mistake when they reach for players like that. You, you just take the best player available and and. And the problem with centers a lot of the time is that they generally play a supporting role where they're not shoot-first players, mostly. Mm-hmm. They're just passing it all the time. And anyone who's watched the Flyers the past couple seasons know that they really like to pass the puck. Very few of them like to shoot. I mean, Jay Forcheck shoots a lot, but nothing really happens because he doesn't have a great shot. So <laughs> you also have Connecting who shoots a bunch, but they just need more players who can actually think of shooting the puck first instead of trying to make a play. Mm-hmm. The team would be better off in the short and long term by adding more of those kind of players. So, so, so yeah, Dan. I, I think, real quick, I think that the Flyers generally think that centers are more talented players than wingers. And I don't necessarily disagree like centers have to be a lot more defensively responsible they've got to be a lot more aware of their surroundings i think it's a lot easier to move a center to the wing like travis connectney was playing a lot of center and juniors flyers took him with the idea that they could move him to the wing right morgan frost is a guy that i think the flyers should keep at center but his skill set would certainly lend itself to playing the wing just like on Giroux. um so I think the Flyers go into these drafts thinking that they can pick a center and move them to the wing, whereas they don't think that wingers are generally good enough all-around players that they could move them to center. So I, I think the Flyers oftentimes think that the best available player is a center and that if they take a winger, it's 
it's actually going to be a reach in their mind trying to fit a need, right? I don't, they clearly don't value goal scorers that high because they've passed in recent drafts, they passed on um, Kiefer Bellows to trade down and take Germán Rupsov. They passed on Ellie Tolvanen to take Morgan Frost. So they're, they, you know, they clearly don't really value these high volume shooters, which is like exactly what a guy like Oliver Wallstrom is which is another reason why I'd be stunned if they trade up to take Oliver Wallstrom, because it's just not the kind of player that they value that highly. That being said, I do feel like this year the Flyers are almost assuredly, I don't know, like I said, if Peyton lasts a 14, he's the kind of player that they might really like and they might take him. But I'll be shocked if they don't end up with at least one guy who projects as a, good goal scoring winger in the first or second round. And I'm including guys like Rasmus Kupari, who is a center who moved to win, but I think could end up being a pretty good goal scorer. But it is, you know, it is a little, I don't know, they don't need to keep adding true centers because you've got Sean Couturier, he's the 1C. You've got Nolan Patrick, who's the 2C. Either Morgan Frost or Mikhail Vorobiev is going to be a very good third line center in the NHL. And so you don't need to keep spending high draft picks centers because they're not going to have a place unless you move them to the wing. And I think a guy like a Baird Hayton might not be a guy who can move to the wing. So let me, Ted, I'll go to you with this one. Um, you know, if they keep this up where they're taking the, uh, you know, the true center or they're taking the, uh, the centers that they're trying to move the wing. They're not, you know, like Dan said, it seems like they don't really value the high volume shooter. At some point, you need that type of player to move this team forward. So if it's, I mean, w- w- like, where do you see their plan in all this? Where Where is the scoring going to come from down the road? Because we know that uh, Ron Hextall doesn't seem too willing to, you know, spend on a, you know, a big name free agent or anything like that, which is fine. But so where, where's the scoring going to come from outside of, you know, the, the usual suspects with this team? If they're taking these, you know, kind of projects at center and trying to move them to wing, where, where's the scoring going to come from down the line? I think that they're hoping that Isaac Radcliffe will kind of fill that role from the prospect system because – he was one of the highest volumeers in the OHL this past year, and he also scored 41 goals. So I think they're hoping that he can fill that void. And um, Wade Allison as well. But he, he doesn't shoot a lot, but when he does shoot, he scores. So um, I, think, I think they're trying to hope against hope that those two are going to bring uh, scoring to them in the future. And maybe they'll get a couple this draft, or maybe they trade for somebody. I mean, it's kind of murky. I'm not really sure exactly what their plan could be. It doesn't seem very clear. Right. I I mean, I just, I have this frustration and I have this concern. I don't know if it's a concern, how you want to put it, but I have, I just keep having these thoughts that they're trying to build this team entirely through the draft and i'm starting to see two uh two clear distinct ways of thinking about this in the fan base you have the side that i guess i'm on that says yeah you you know you need a core group of guys that you draft that you develop but you also need to get proven players in the league to add to those guys to move this thing forward and to make this team a contender and then there's the other side of it that want them to build this entirely through the draft, which could take forever. I mean, it's it's really nice to think, and it's nice to see on you know NHL.com or on TSN or anything like that. You know, the Flyers ranked in the top three or five in prospect systems, but that only means that you have guys that are just waiting in the wings, and you're going to keep having guys waiting in the wings. I, I have a concern that there's not enough urgency with the Flyers to move this thing forward with proven NHL guys, and I don't want to see them just 
be content with the draft and just keep stockpiling these assets and picks and prospects. And we're always just year after year. It's okay. Well, now we have to wait for this guy to come up because he's going to be the scorer or this guy's going to be the playmaker. Oh, well, they're, they're high on this guy. So we have to wait for him to come up. I just want to see them show a bit of urgency to, you know, put together a team that could, that isn't going to be, you know, continually struggling to make the playoffs or when they get in, you know, just being embarrassed by a team that's far and away better than them at pretty much every aspect of the game. I mean, I don't honestly, I haven't seen, cause I've seen a little bit of this on Twitter. I, I haven't seen anybody suggesting that they build solely through the draft. Like I, I think this is like an overreaction on people's parts. There's this like, part of the fan base there's a really good tweet from um from john sequela earlier today let me just find this tweet it was um basically which really encapsulated what i feel like i feel like there's a lot of fans that are just like freaking out right now um about the flyers not doing anything and it's like what do you want them to do so here's here was the tweet flyers twitter 2014 thank god holmgren's gone so many awful contracts and no depth in the system. It's going to take years to fix this cap mess. Flyers Twitter 2018. Jesus, Hextall is so fucking boring. Why doesn't he sign somebody or trade a bunch of picks for Eric Carlson? It's like, I feel like there's this reaction that anytime anyone gets traded now, it's like, oh my God, why, why didn't Hextall make this move? And then those people are like thinking that, oh, it's, it's all these people just, you know, these these Hextall apologists just want us to build through the draft. I literally haven't seen one person saying just build through the draft. Here's what I think is the smart thing you need to do. You keep building through the draft. And when this team is a move or two away from being a actual Stanley cup contender, then you start making some trades or potentially some free agent acquisitions to put this team over the top. Like, this team next year is going to have Brian Elliott and Michael Neuberth as the goalie. Like they're not a cup contender. Um, so I don't know what people want them to do right now, who they want them to trade for or sign that, you know, is, isn't going to block some of the younger players. Um, you know, the building through the draft is a smart way to do it. It's the way that the Winnipeg Jets all of a sudden became one of the best teams in the, in the league. Like Winnipeg did not make any major trades or anything. And then this year they finally were really good. They added Stasny at the trade deadline. You know, they started making moves. I'm 100% positive that when this team shows Ron Hextall that they are ready to win a Stanley cup, he will start making some moves, maybe trading some prospects, but you know, like all these people that want to trade for guys who are going to be free agents at the end of next season. And you want to give up a guy like, Travis Sanheim, who the team has under control for the next seven years, like it just it doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't think anyone is saying just build through the draft. But the smart way to do it is build through the draft and then add players when you are ready to really compete. And I think that's what Ron Hexall is doing. And I just think fans are so impatient about the whole thing. Um, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't... I mean, I'm definitely... I don't want to get it twisted. I'm not saying, because I, I see it out there too, the people that want to trade the farm, trade everything, trade part ownership of the franchise to Ottawa for for Carlson. I'm not saying do that. Um, and I, I think you're right. People are definitely overreacting at this point because they see other trades being made and yeah, I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You know, you don't know what's going on in the Flyers' rooms. You don't know, you know, what the meetings are like. I, I you know, I see it a lot, and I, you know, every now and then I'll do this crossover between sports, but I see it a lot with with Eagles Twitter. Whenever a guy becomes a free agent or gets dropped, all of a sudden everybody wants this guy, and everybody gets pissed when they sign somewhere else. So it's kind of the same thing with the Flyers. You know, you saw, you know, Galchenyuk get moved. For, you know, Domi earlier in the week, and everyone freaked out. Oh, why, why couldn't the Flyers put together something like that? And then you see today, Mike Hoffman get traded twice in like two hours. And the first trade was for virtually nothing. And everyone was freaking out about that. So people are, you know, people will freak out whenever a name is moved. But let me ask you this. 
earlier in the offseason, there was a report. I don't know if it was report, rumor, whatever you want to say, that Ron Hextall basically going into this offseason, as far as free agency goes, has an open checkbook. Do you read that as the people above him getting a little restless with how he's moving things along? I No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't – I'd have to see the exact quote. But I think the point was just that Hextall is not under any kind of constraints – from the people above him in terms of what he's going to spend. I don't, I don't think there's any kind of mandates for him or anything like that. Like Ed Snyder used to be like, you know, we need to win now. Right. Um, I just think it's saying that he, you know, he has, he, he's has full reign to do whatever he sees fit as this team needing to do. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, like, real quick, and then I'll turn it over to Ted to talk about that. I mean, the whole um, Galchenyuk thing. So, for Galchenyuk, uh, they got Max Domi. So Max Domi is a young player who's got sort of a lot of hype, some of it because of his name and his you know, dad being in the NHL. Um, he's a decent player. Like, what do people – I was watching a, a um, you know, one of the online shows, and the host was talking about – it was actually our buddy Kevin Fortier who was on our draft show last week. Him and, and, and Mike, who were both on Philly's Flyer stuff, were on another – Podcast and the host was talking about how oh the Flyers should have traded Michael Raffle and Dale Weiss for <laughs> Alex Galchenyuk. Like, are you out of your mind? Like, oh this is God. what Flyers fans think that just yeah. package a bunch of trash and right. we're going to get Alex Galchenyuk. Here's the reality: Travis Konechny scored as many points as Max Domi last year. None of us would trade Travis Konechny for Alex Galchenyuk, would you? No. We all know that no. Konechny obviously came on in the second half when he was on the first line. But GMs are stupid. Like, Mark Bergevin is dumb, right? He looked at the stats. Oh, Konechny had the same amount of points as Max Domi. If I was making this trade with the Flyers, I would need Travis Konechny back. There's no way any of us would have done that. So it's like the Flyers didn't have anything that we'd be willing to give up that Bergevin would have taken for Alex Galchenyuk. So, no, we probably couldn't have gotten him unless you want to give up Travis Konechny. So I, I don't know. Right. I, I, I agree. And I, I think, um, I mean, you kind of, you said it. I think people are just overreacting at this point. I, I, I think for the longest time, Flyers fans have gotten so used to them. Just, I, I just think they're out of their element. They're not used to the Flyers not being in play for every name that is dropped out of the hat. And you said it in the, uh, Phileas Flyer group chat earlier when you brought up, um, I don't remember the context of the conversation, but you basically said, you know, nobody wants to trade, you know, Nolan Patrick, Ivan Proveroff, Travis Konechny, or any, or any of, you know, any of the top guys. So, uh, and unless you're willing to trade one of those guys, you're not going to get anything of any major value. No, you're, you, you're right. You can't go to any of these teams and say, hey, we have, a." We have a bunch of, you know, average to below average NHL players. We'll, we'll give you all four of them for your, uh, for your leading scorer. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, I mean, th- th- this is the beauty of Twitter. You know, we all get to voice our opinions and some of them are dumb. A lot of them are dumb. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. I'm sure I've said plenty of dumb shit on Twitter, but you know, when you, when you get into stuff like that, it, it's just fans wistful thinking. It's, Playing NHL, you know, on Xbox and turning, you know, trade rejection off and just getting, you know, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, and fucking Connor McDavid all on the same line. So it's just fan fantasy. For Dale Weiss and Yori For Lattera. Dale Weiss, right, yeah. <laughs> For Dale Weiss and a seventh-round pick, you're going to get all those players. So I think as much as I would like to see them bring in a proven NHL guy, I am of right mind to realize that there are and I don't believe there should be and there are untouchables in any sport but franchises and organizations look at it differently there are guys on this team that unless you're coming to that unless another team is coming to the table and completely knocking the socks off of Ron Hextall there are guys on this team that are not going to get moved if there was a gun to his head and the trash, the Yuri Lateras, the Dale Weeses, the Michael Raffles, these are all people we're just going to have to live with until their contract gets run out. And that's just that's the, the, the nuts and bolts of this thing. And until those guys are gone, 
you know, this the, this team's not going to be in serious, you know, conversations for anybody until they have, you know, until these prospects start blossoming and you're right, when they're ready to go, then we'll see what happens, but I don't know. I don't know at this point I don't know how you make people happy. The the moves that those other teams made, if they're dumb enough to do it, fine. But the Flyers, they're not going to do stuff like that. That's not Ron Hexall's M.O. He may have full control of this thing, but he's not going to fuck it up. We know that. So, all right, you you wanted to, uh, Dan, you said before we got going with this thing, you we kind of wanted to look at a overall, uh, you know, just the draft as a whole uh, from a league-wide perspective. Uh, you know, we can just look at kind of the top 10 because I think in there is where most of the shakeup is going to be. You know, those top, those, you know, the top five picks really are where everything is going to, three to five is where everything's going to be shaken up. So, uh, Ted, I'll kick it to you. You know, obviously, Rasmus Dahlin, number one, Andre Svechnikov, most likely number two. So, with Montreal, looking from what their needs are, do you see this as the first team that kind of throws a wrench into everything? Where would you see them going with that third pick? With Galchenyuk gone, they're going to take Kotkaniemi, and it's going to be a bit of a reach. So you think I they think. panic and take the and take the guy just to replace the guy they got rid of? Yeah, and I also think that because there was a uh, LeBron piece on The Athletic this week where this one Western Conference scout or executive told him that GMs are hell-bent on just getting their center. And no matter where they are in the draft, in the top half of the draft, they're just going to take their center. And it's ridiculous, but so NHL. <laughs> Right. So it's kind of like they, it's almost like you could kind of attribute it a little bit to the NFL draft where you see teams start reaching for a quarterback. He sees them. He sees these teams getting restless and starting to reach for centermen. And Montreal looks like the first victim of said uh, of said move. So then we go. Ottawa picks it for today. They traded Mike Hoffman to San Jose, who, before he even could, like, pack his bags and put his shorts to the top, of, well, I guess he could do it anyway because he ended up in Florida, but before he could get his mind wrapped around playing for the San Jose Sharks, he gets another call, and now he's with uh, the Florida Panthers. So now they're looking for goal scoring. I'm looking at a mock draft right here, Dan, that says Phillips Dina at four if he's there. Is that the obvious pick? It's the obvious pick, but I bet you Ottawa fucks it up. I mean, you know, <laughs> fuck everything else up. You know, they were, uh, I mean, it's going to be, look, it's going to be hard to really screw this pick up. I think one way they could really screw it up is by taking one of these right-handed defensemen who's been getting so much uh, pub recently, either Evan Bouchard or Noah Dobson, just because I think those guys are at the point now where they're getting a little overrated. Um, you know, there was that story last week that there might be a, Ottawa burner account for one of their, maybe one of their uh, front office folks that was talking about how much they like Brady Kachuk. So, awesome. you know, they should take Philip Zadina, who's a, I think he's got the best shot in the draft in terms of combination of quickness and accuracy. Shot's not as hard as like an Oliver Wallstrom, but I think it's more accurate. And I, I think Philip Zadina is going to end up being probably the best goal scorer coming out of the draft. Um, so he would be the smart pick, but you know, I don't, they, I, they might take Brady Kachuk, who is the son of Keith Kachuk, who scored a thousand points in the NHL. I'd love for the Flyers to train up to get Brady Kachuk, but not at number four. But yeah, I think at that point, Ottawa's can either take Kachuk or Zadina or screw up and take one of the defensemen. Um, Ted, let me ask you this. When you look at these, the top prospects in this draft, is there a name that stands out to you of a guy that could start to fall and uh, that, you know, maybe projected somewhere near the top five to six but starts to fall kind of closer to the teens? I think it's possible, but probably not probable, that Quinn Hughes could fall just because of the size factor. 
I could definitely see NHL teams be like, oh no, he's small, so he won't be able to handle playoff hockey or whatever justifications they make up in their minds. But he's a one-man breakout machine. Like, that is so valuable. Right. I would love to have Quinn Hughes on the flyer. So this is really interesting because I'm watching NHL Network today, and they've got a special on the Hughes family. So I don't know if anyone knows you know about the huge Hughes family, but I think the dad, I think Jim Hughes, he played for Providence. He was a really good defenseman for Providence College. I think maybe he had a cup of coffee in the NHL or something like that. But so all of a sudden, there's all these Hughes boys who are like, you know, Quinn Hughes is going to be probably picked in the top five or seven this year. He's a really good defenseman. Next year, Jack Hughes, who's Quinn's younger brother, is almost assuredly going to go number one. He looks like the next, like, Sidney Crosby. I mean, the stuff that Jack Hughes does on the ice is insane. And then they yeah. got a 14-year-old brother, I think, like, Lucas Hughes or something like that. So I'm watching this special, and they're all on the couch, right, the, the Hughes brothers. And I'm like, oh, this must be from, like, four years ago because these kids literally look like me and my nerd buddies in high school who all weighed one. 50 and we're like playing like video games on the couch right no this story is from like last week these kids i'm telling you they look like the nerdy kids from high school they all are you know short and they you know they don't weigh a whole lot and they're like preposterously good hockey players it was really funny watching this um i you know i saw one interesting thing so ottawa ottawa can actually give their pick to who is it vancouver um uh, Ottawa made a trade where they no Colorado. I think. Colorado. Yeah, Colorado, where they can either keep their pick this year and Colorado gets their pick next year, or Ottawa um, gives their pick this year to Colorado and then Ottawa has their pick next year. Well, it looks like Ottawa is going to be one of the worst teams in the league last, next year, and which would mean they'd have a chance at Jack Hughes, who's I would say is a better prospect than even Rasmus Dahlin. So hmm. I saw something today that one of the analysts was saying that they wouldn't be surprised if before the draft, Ottawa decides to give this pick to Colorado just to try and get Jack Hughes. But if anyone out there hasn't seen Jack Hughes play, go watch some highlights because he looks ridiculous. And um, But it was just funny watching the Hughes family. These they just look like a bunch of runts. They can freaking play hockey. Well, it sounds like that is a – very headsy move that you expect the worst franchise in the league to make in the Ottawa Senators to think that far ahead to next season. And uh, it would be interesting to go from four to 16. I mean, it would be fun to see. But I think with Ottawa, when you kind of look what's going on with them, a big thing that you have to look at is – you're seeing a lot of people talk about that the trade talks of Eric Carlson are really starting to heat up. So it would be interesting to see if they get maybe another first-round pick. If he's moved during the draft or before the draft, if they get another first-round pick this in this draft by moving him and, you know, knowing them, they'll trade him for like a first and a seventh-round pick, and that'll be it, and they'll be content. But... Ottawa has the potential with just that tr- if they make that move if they trade um if they trade Carlson and they're able to get a pick this season and they make that switch with Colorado and then they end up with the you know the worst pick next year or whatever they really have a chance w- within the next couple of days to revamp their organization but the likelihood of them doing that based on what we've seen in the last few years from them isn't that high and I guess, you know, just be thankful you're not a Ottawa Senators fan because they, a couple of years ago, they were in the conference finals and now they're the bottom feeders in the league. So it's incredible how stuff like that works out for some of these teams. Dan, I'm going to ask you the same type of thing that I asked, um, that I asked Ted. When you look at the draft, when you look at these top prospects, a guy that stands out to you as a potential guy that, you know, teams sour on as it gets closer to Friday. Who's a guy that you could see start to slide down these some of these boards? So, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question because the answer is so different today than it would be a month ago, right? I did a mock draft a month ago where I think I had Adam Bogfist, the Swedish defenseman, going like fourth to Ottawa. I was like, oh, he could be an Eric Carlson type of guy, a replacement for him. In the last week or two, it seems like Adam Bogfist has really sort of 
tear him down these draft charts. There was a question, I think, about uh, some physical issues that he might have been having. Um, and now I see, you know, he could be going 11 or 12. And he's a really high upside right-handed defenseman that if he slips to the Flyers, I, I think they'd have a hard time uh, not taking him. But so Bogfist is a guy that I think looks like he's starting to slip down draft charts. Um, you know, Zadina is the kind of guy that if he doesn't go third, he might drop down to fifth or sixth. Uh, Quinn Hughes, I agree that Quinn Hughes could drop a little bit, but he's been getting a lot of buzz, it seems to me, recently. So I, I don't think he's going to drop that far. But uh, the, the interesting thing is, again, once you get the past the first 10 or probably the first 10 guys in this draft, the opinions are all over the map. I've got like five different respected mock draft guys up on my computer right now, and they're all completely different. Like, okay, let's just take a quick look at some of these mock drafts. Okay, mm -hmm. Corey Pronman. Corey Pronman has the Flyers taking Vitaly Kravtsov at 14 and Martin Kaut at 19. I could see that. Martin Kaut's like a polished Czech winger who is kind of like a Maxime Sushko kind of player, except a little better. Um, I don't really love him, but I can see the Flyers doing that. So he's got them taking Kraftsov and Cal. Um, Craig Button has got this. So strange. Craig Button has the Flyers uh, taking Sarah Noel at 14 and Bodie Wild at 19. Both these guys apparently have big character issues and work ethic issues. I don't think there's a chance in hell that, that either of those guys um, is taken by the Flyers. And then, you know, look at, like, uh, Grant McCat, who does the Recruites um, uh, mock draft. He's got the Flyers taking Isaac Lundestrom at 14. He's kind of like, like a two-way center who Ted wrote about a bunch this week. He's kind of got limited offensive upside. And Ryan McLeod, who's another potential two-way center at 19. So you've already seen three different mock drafts. They've got the Flyers taking completely different players. Um, let's see. I just downloaded a, a, a mock draft. Oh, uh, Steve Cornianos, who's the draft analyst. He did a mock draft. And uh, let me just see what, what he – because he's you – know, I respect him. I don't even remember what he had here. He had the Flyers taking Matthias Samuelson at 19, who's Shell Samuelson's son, and crafts up at 14. Um it's just, it's all over the board with, with who's going to be going where, who the Flyers are going to be taking. It's going to be really interesting. I should mention, since he has Matias Samuelson going 19, he's a guy I'd love to see the Flyers take. But I feel like 19 might be a little too early for him. He's a huge defenseman, just like his dad, who played with the Flyers for so long. His dad, Shell, now works for the Flyers, helping to develop their overseas players. And uh, Matias is a really interesting player. He's a guy that I'd love. If Flyers trade down from 19 to get like a couple second round picks, I'd love for them to take him. But these these mock drafts, man, they're just they're all over the board. It's it's uh, it's crazy. Ted, who's a guy that you see that you would target in the you know every, everything everybody talks about mostly is the first round, and I know you have in depth knowledge beyond the first round. Who, who's a guy you would target as far as the second round goes for the Flyers? So, yeah. I think I'd take... Um, it really depends on if they trade back or not from 19, which is a definite possibility. But I think that they should go for a right winger slash left winger, Alden Erickson, who is a teammate of Jonathan Berggren, who I'm really high on. And if they keep their first-round pick, I hope they go and pick Berggren at 19. But anyways, Erickson is a uh, high-volume shooter. He's really smart. He has a good all-around game, and um, I think he'd be an excellent pick in the second round. Dan, you got anybody in mind for that pick? Second-round pick? I mean, you know, I'd love to see them get Matias Samuelson who I was just talking about. Right. A guy like Nils Lundqvist, who's a, who's a right-handed defenseman, is another guy. But again, we're talking about, you know, I, I don't know these guys. I mean, I, I clearly, you know, defer to Ron Hexel when it comes to, especially when you get into the past the second round. I mean, that's where they're, that, this is where those scouts really earn their money, is getting a guy like Oscar Lindblom in the mid-round, 
like they did a couple years ago. You know, they took Shane Gossespierre in the third round. He turned out to be one of the top five players in that entire draft to this point in terms of point production. So that's where, you know, I couldn't tell you who the guy's going to be. But I just have the utmost confidence that the Flyers are going to get some good players there. And I have so much confidence in their scouts again, which is why I wouldn't mind trading down from 19 to get a couple seconds. Yeah, they definitely have a good track record. Um, I mean, look, we've said it a bunch of times. Not one of us, no one, none of these experts that work for these big-time networks or, you know, online websites and stuff like that, nobody has a clue how this thing is going to shake out. So all I could say is just strap in because Friday is going to be fast and furious probably. A lot's going to happen and it's going to, it's going to happen. I don't – you know, who knows? Who knows what the Flyers do? Who knows what Ron Hexall does ultimately? But it's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be an exciting couple days uh, for the draft. Uh, obviously, the one, the, you know, Friday, the first round is what everyone really gets excited about. But, you know, the true hockey nerds, the hockey geeks, you know, they, they eat up those later rounds and see the guys that, you know, the, the Flyers will take and all the other teams will take as well. But there was a couple big pieces of just NHL news that I wanted to touch on with you guys that have happened in the past week. And we obviously touched on the Mike Hoffman thing already in uh, this episode. And last week, you know, we went kind of into the whole his longtime girlfriend was just basically cyber bullying uh, to to the nth degree Eric Carlson's wife and Eric Carlson about a whole slew of things. Well, today, uh, the, the the first shoe in the Ottawa Senators offseason finally dropped and they ended up trading um, Mike Hoffman to San Jose for a couple players and some picks. And then hours later, San Jose then flips him to Florida for a packet for a pretty extensive package. So, Ted, first, have you when's the last time we've ever seen anything like this where a guy gets traded that that fast in the same day? And what was your reaction when you saw both of these trades go down? I honestly can't remember, at least recently, of any trade that went down quite like this before. I honestly wasn't too surprised that it wasn't like a quick trade and then the trade again because it just seems like a really toxic like player or by extension his girlfriend just to bring into the locker room i mean none of it's proven obviously but if i was a player and if you talk to um insiders and stuff who are familiar with the ottawa uh, locker room they all believed that she did it so i mean it's tough they they had to do it but pierre dorian got fleeced and doug wilson made out like a bandit for san jose dan who of all i mean obviously ottawa's the big loser here but between Florida, a team that was on the cusp of the playoffs last season, and San Jose, who got the big haul, who won that trade? I mean, they they both were huge winners for different reasons, right? right. First of all, it's so funny that like the GM of Ottawa is like, oh yeah, well I'm going to trade Mike Kaufman, but I'm not going to trade him in the division, right? You can see him on his desk. I'm not, you know, tapping his fingers. He's not getting traded into the division, so he takes a lesser package. Sends him to San Jose, and San Jose immediately trades him right back into the division that he was in before. So Dorian got fleeced in so many ways. You know, San Jose, what they did was they dumped salary. They did not want Michael Bodker's salary on their books. I mean, Bodker kind of puts up empty stats as a third-line winger, and um, he's the kind of guy that good GMs know is not that good of a player. Uh, bad GMs like some of the stats he puts up. So San Jose was desperate to get rid of his salary. If they go out and sign John Tavares now, and they have the mind to do it, especially after getting rid of some additional salary in vodka, they're, they're clear winners of this trade. If they if they use that money, they freed up to sign someone really good. And Florida got good draft picks. I mean, Florida got a second-round pick in 2019, and I think they got a couple mid-round picks this year. So they are both those teams are big winners, and Ottawa is just a huge loser. Right. 
So you're down in uh, D.C., and, you know, it's it's very rare that coming off winning a championship, any team in any sport then gets rid of their head coach. And I don't know if you call this so much getting rid of, but they definitely undervalued the head coach that just won them a Stanley Cup. So what what's going on down in Washington? How are the fans reacting to the Capitals basically say, we're not going to pay you more money, Barry Trotz, even though you just won us our first championship ever? Yeah, it's such a strange story. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was a moment when the Caps beat, I think it was Columbus, and Trotz was talking to Tortorella after the series ended and was shaking his hand. And Tortorella, or Trotz, mouthed something, being like, I'm not coming back. There's either that series or the series after that. Huh. And so well, he clearly knew that he wasn't coming back after this season. So I don't think them winning the Cup had anything to do with it either way. I think there might have, you know, some kind of irreparable type of situation between him and management that resulted in him not coming back is would be one of my guesses. So as happy as the fans were down there that they won the Stanley Cup, are they equally as pissed off that they that the coach walked? You know, I honestly I haven't really uh, heard much from the fans here about it. I don't really follow a lot of Caps fans on Twitter, so right. I don't know. I don't know what they're. I, it would be unfair of me to speculate on what the issue was. But here's you know one thing I'll say is that I, I don't think it's quite as passionate a fan base as there is in Philly. Right. Um, so I don't think walking around people are talking about it quite as much as they would be if it happened in Philly. Oh, that's fair enough. So Ted, then the big, you know, obviously, once any head coach of that caliber gets freed up, Flyers Twitter erupts and is calling for the head of Dave Haxtell, which most of us have been doing for three years now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I in no way, shape, or form would ever imagine that just be, no matter who became free, that, you know, Dave Haxtell goes anywhere. But, I mean, is it is it worth taking a look at a guy like Barry Trotz? Are, are fans just allured by the fact that he just won the Stanley Cup, or is he just that good of a head coach? Fans are allured that he just won the Stanley Cup. Okay, um, that's what I figured. It would be a lateral move, honestly. He's, I think John Sequela put it really well either today or yesterday on Twitter that he's basically Dave Haxtell with an extremely talented team. So, I mean, they, his system's pretty good defensively, I guess, but he has all the same frustrating tendencies that Dave Haxtell does. All right. Well, so there you go, I people. Nothing to do with him. Well, there you go, people. All right, I'm going to go to both of you one at a time. I'm going to pin you down. Feet to the fire. I need one name. Dan, I'll go to you first. With the 14th pick in the NH in the 2018 NHL draft, the Philadelphia Flyers select who? <laughs> Are you asking me who I want them to pick or who I think the pick is going to be? Uh, give me who you think it's going to be. I think that they're going to take Joel Farabee at number 14. Okay. All right. Now, Ted, to you, with the 19th pick in the 2018 NHL draft, the Philadelphia Flyers do what with or select who? They select right winger Jonathan Berggren. Okay. There it is. You all heard it here first. So when that... When the scenario plays out exactly that way, you could hit up both of these guys on Twitter as NHL draft psychics because they figured out what no one else in the world at this point could figure out what the Flyers are going to do in the NHL draft. But it all will play out Friday night. Finally, round one Friday, rounds two through seven on Saturday. If you are a hockey nut like I know a lot of you are, you will be sitting in front of the TV with your favorite beverage and your favorite snack and enjoying all of the goodness, all of the speculation. All, uh, there's going to be fireworks. Just get ready for them. So now let's do all. Let's do our paperwork, as we always do. Ted, I'll go to you first because you're the guest, and we like to treat our guests well on this show. If the fans, if the listeners want to hear what you have to say on Twitter, where would they do that? All right, on Twitter, 
they can follow me at that guy one one nine two zero. Um, I'm a contributor to Phillies Flyer, and I also contribute to Last Word on Puck. Awesome, awesome. Or Last Word on Hockey. Okay. And Dan, over to you. If no one knows it by now, then they're just clearly not paying attention when you speak. But your Twitter handle is what? My Twitter handle is at dsilver88. The 88 is for Eric Lindros. <laughs> and you can check out my articles on philliesflyer.com. I did a Flyers draft preview last week, analyzing all the guys that I thought, all the forwards that I thought would be good fits for the Flyers at 14 and 19. So go take a look at that. All right. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter and my stupidity at Mark Flagman. That's with two N's. You can follow this show at underscore get bullied. And of course, follow uh, the mothership, phillyisflyer.com, at phillyisflyer on Twitter, and where you can check out my interview with Nick Boynton, former NHL player who came out. Last week with his article on the Players' Tribune titled Everything's Not Okay, it is a gut-wrenching story about his life during and now after playing hockey and all of the trials and tribulations that he's gone through, and he was kind enough to give me a few minutes yesterday, so that is up on the show's SoundCloud, on the show's Apple Podcast, and there's an excellent write-up of the uh, of the interview done by done by Dan on uh, philiusflyer.com, so definitely check that out. But, uh, just strap in. Like I keep saying, just get ready for an exciting couple days, Friday and Saturday, when it comes to the NHL draft. Who knows what the Flyers are going to do? Let's see. We will see next week if Dan and Ted are correct. I will bet that they are, but all will play out. So, until next time, enjoy the draft and have a good week. <laughs>